<clears throat> Hi, afternoon, everyone. Uh, Chetan here from Iceberg. Lovely to see you all. As I said, I haven't done this for ages, and maybe that's probably a good sign because we didn't need to talk every five every week to discuss what was going on because things were kind of running in a decent fashion, even though there were still bumps in the road. Um, we are recording this. We are going to be posting on our forum and we will be turning it into a podcast as well, just so everybody knows. Please use the chat box on the right for questions, um, which I'll try and bring uh, up with the presenters. Um, but as you know, with these sessions, if you've been to them before, it's very fluid. Feel free to come on. Um, if I can bring you in, I will. Um, so yeah, very easy flow, but post questions on to the right, because I definitely won't have all of the questions you wanna, you will want answered. Uh, objective always is to share best practice so we can recover faster and stronger. If you can go on mute, uh, that'd be great if you're not part of the panel, just for that very reason. Um, and yeah, so sharing best practice, open and honest for the panel. So thank you. A uh, couple of quick MySpook messages. Our expo is all live now for you to register, mysbookexpo.com. We've got some great panel sessions from the metaverse to sustainability, of course, corporate insights, recruitment, destination inspiration, two days of great content, meeting great suppliers, 12th and 13th of January at the Mondrian Shoreditch. Um, so you can dip in and out for some, some just content or stay for the evening reception on the first night. Very easy to dip in and out of that session, mysbookexpo.com, have a look. And next week we're in Belfast with the Leaders Retreat. So do follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn to for some updates of what we're up to. Great, let's get going on. Can I quickly get the panel to introduce themselves, name, company, and what that company briefly does? To my left, I've got Alan. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name's Alan Old. Some of you may know me. Um, I can see Sue Girl there, Penguins. Um, our, our company specializes in event safety and has been heavily involved with the application of COVID guidelines over the last uh, nine or two years now. It's quite awful to think about. Um, sort of events we work on is corporate generally. Um, we do live events. Um, we've just done the British Fashion Awards at the Royal Albert Hall. Um, I was, myself was involved with COP26, uh, working directly for the New York Times. Um, we do every type of event conceivable. Um, got a lot of activations going on at the moment. Um, Christmas activations doing one for Tiffany's at the moment actually goes live at the weekend where they're putting an orchestra in Waterloo station so quite varied um, so that's that's me. Thanks Alan and Anna please. Hello um, I'm Anna Green I'm MD of Broadsword we're an events production agency um, we specialize in internal comms conferences for the financial services sector um, do have done been doing a lot of virtual hasn't really changed the over the course of this year done a little bit of in person over the last month or so um, but yeah lo lots of virtual lots of streaming thank you Anna and Richard hey, hi everybody uh, I think I know most people on here Richard Murphy um, MD of first event um, event management company specializing in uh, live events and also virtual 60 staff do about 15 million turnover um, Chet asked me to come on because we've got a few live events happening at the moment which are impacted by um, the subject we're going to be talking about later on. Thanks Richard. Okay so we're going to be talking about Omicron as the variant of concern. Um, to kick it off I, I read yesterday in the Telegraph the headline was um, ho hospitals overwhelmed with COVID uh, with Omicron variant in Johannesburg. So I read the article and I think oh shit this is bad. And then you read the article and it's like 90% are unvaccinated and actually the 
the actual uh, impact of the, the this variant is quite low. Um, so you're thinking what they, they leave with this headline and they come up with the actual you read the article and you're thinking where is where is the uh, emergency here? Um, and of course we don't know, but I'm going to go to Alan here who's got some strong opinions on all this. Tell us about the variant. What is it? Why should we or should we not be concerned? And anything else you want to share? Well, I, I think we have the same situation we had 18 months ago where the media is having a feeding frenzy on the new virus. I sometimes get the impression they'd be disappointed if it wasn't um, a hideously new, nasty um, variant. The, the reality is we don't know. We absolutely don't know. Um, there's always going to be a dominant variant. Um, Omicron has taken over from the Delta variant. And it may be, it, it may be, yeah. Very, very fast time, yeah. Very Sorry, fast time could, anyone who's not on mute, if you could turn your... Yeah. Thank you. Great. So I, I think what we must understand about this variant, it might, it may become the dominant variant. It's one of probably 50 variants of the Delta, but it could be less unpleasant if you catch it. And early evidence, early evidence abroad is suggesting in South Africa in particular, it may not be as unpleasant as Delta, but there's been a massive amount of um, unsubstantiated um, speculation by the press on this, which has not had a positive effect on the events industry, which is at, at best at the moment fragile. So, okay, let's, um, what, so, in terms of impact, let's get to the chase. We've had some direct impact. Anna, you said uh, yesterday you might have had some changes. So tell us what, what this, specifically to do with this variant, what has changed in your business? Um, so yeah, yesterday we had two, two events pulled. Um, so literally were about to happen. Um, so one, one, it was well, actually, it was the night before and they pulled it and then one cancelled that was meant to be happening next week so they were both in-person events and it was they were like quite local audiences I think it was just the the actual perception of brand um that that our clients didn't want to carry on with um and then we had quite a bit of sort of filming work planned for the next couple of weeks and that's all been pushed um so postponed into January um I, I guess we didn't have a huge amount of in-person planned anyway with our clients so some of the big events that we've got planned in January are all virtual. Um, so that's that's not really changing. Yeah. I just say it's, it's yeah. that kind of getting anyone into a room. Um, there seems to be that the, the nerves have come back. Um, but then you know, we do work in the financial services sector. They are very cautious. They've been like that all the way through. So it's not really surprising to us. And it's any little change. Um, and, you know, we, we feel the impact very quickly. Quite interesting. I think it's... Um... It must be quite sector specific as well. You know, we on the on the more positive note, we've got um, um, a few clients who work in construction. They've got some big events going to Barbados in the beginning of February, and they actually sent us a note and said, "Look, just over the weekend, so just so you know, it's business as usual from our point of view. Everybody's still fired up for it. We're still okay. It was we didn't prompt to actually approach them. They came to us straight away, which is quite reassuring, really. Um, so again, like you say, it could be the actual sector itself, and possibly that, that feel that way. And just a point I'd like to make, the government reissued its COVID guidance for the events industry yesterday. They've been updating it fairly regularly. The previous update was 9th of November. The one before that was the 4th of October. So you can see it's regular updates. And yesterday's update, nothing changed for events. 
the only um, updates are the ones we already know about face coverings in shops and greater restrictions on people coming into the country from red less red um red countries so at this moment in time the government is saying as far as events are concerned business as usual and i was with a, a large sportswear company I'm sure you've all heard of yesterday, and they made it very clear to me they had no plans to change any of their events moving forward as of yesterday, regardless of the Omicron um, variant, unless government guidance or restrictions changed. I was at an um, I was on a site visit yesterday, and this particular venue do a lot of work with John Lewis, and they've literally pulled every single future event. Sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't work out who was that because I've got some people pinned on my screen. Who was that first who just spoke up? Rachel. It's Rachel. Rachel, Reservations 2000. Oh, okay, thank you, Rachel. So what was that? They pulled, they've pulled all their events? Yeah, so literally every single thing that they'd got on the books that was confirmed, they've pulled it with this particular venue. Um, and that's we're because the... of this variant specifically? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just companies like that that are doing that. The word gets out and everybody follows suit, don't they? So, Anna, when you, when you spoke to your clients yesterday that, that have moved the event, was it because were they, were they telling you they're pulling it or were they asking for advice or, or how are they treating it? Are they, and who's making those decisions? Any ideas? Yeah, I, I think it's coming from quite senior stakeholders within the, the business um, and they are making it by them by themselves it's coming from the top um, and what I'm noticing as well that's slightly different is it's a bit like government really it just seems to be very quick very knee-jerk reaction we're, we're just going to be decisive we're going to decide to do this we're not even going to think about it we're not going to discuss it we're not going to kind of look at alternatives we're just not going to do it um, which I don't know it's just almost that kind of panic like we've got to make decisions really quickly now because that's what you know is coming from number ten. Oh. It is quite interesting because I think no, I think I that's where we. Let me just try to find out. Sorry, if you can go on mute, please. Uh, I can't see who it is. One second. Stephanie. <laughs> Name and shame. The. Um, <laughs> What do I say? So I think it's our role, I think, um, and to actually manage and coach these clients. We, we, about, we had a, a last minute um, group. It's a, a ski conference, if you like, if that can be such a thing. Uh, 250 people, global event, tech company, and they booked it within about um, six weeks ago, and it's going to uh, Montreux to the Fairmont um, on the 4th of Jan. And so they're quite a new uh, business. They've never done this type of thing before. So they did look to us. For guidance and obviously the benefit of the last 18 months is that actually we can talk to them from a, a position of experience really so they actually said to us what should we do to actually pull the thing now do we cancel it completely obviously the cost implications are going to be huge for them um obviously because it's hundreds of thousands and so from our from our point of view we actually managed them and said look people know where they are like alan said we don't know the details of what's going to be coming out everybody says in the next next two to three weeks we'll know more what's going on from a um, a data perspective so we've actually done it we've flipped on its head and said there's no benefit of doing that now if you can hang on for the um you know two weeks time you'll have a far better picture of what's happening um and thank god the clients actually trusted and said yes yeah. so we sent you know communications out to everybody they're quite an open transparent business so everybody's on board with what's happening because quite a young um a young business so they they're 
they're completely different. They've actually said, okay, let's hang fire for two weeks and see what uh, see what the options are really. Yeah, so I guess, I mean, as Charles just said, that there, there are some border restrictions coming through, aren't there, from a few places. Um, and that, that's also something to take into account. In, in terms of, Richard, you've obviously advised and you're going to take wait and see. Um, is there a, a reputational risk, obviously, for the client? That's, a, that's one of their key concerns. But what about you for an agency in terms of how you're briefing, advising? Of course, you want the event to go ahead, but... Could that be detrimental in the long run? I guess no one knows, but how do you approach yeah, no, that? No, no. Well, there's two, there's two things we've talked about internally. At what point do we actually say to the client, this can't be delivered? You know, obviously 250 people, they're coming from all over the world. They're going to have, you know, um, activities, you know, ski packages, all that type of thing. And the logistics of doing that, you know, if they make a decision in, you know, two weeks time, we've got literally, you know, 10, 15 working days to organise that from a logistical thing to deliver that in a professional manner. You know, we've got to make a call on that as well. Um, internally, can we do it? And what would the impact be if it wasn't um, the success they want it to be? So, yeah, it's both, you know, internally and the client's perspective as well, really. Alan, when, when you're consulting on health and safety matters for agencies, and is it purely on, on medical or do you also take into account reputational kind of risk when, when kind of advising? Well, it's, it's a three-pronged approach. First off, you look at the regulations, what you've actually got to do. I'm sure you're aware the Netherlands have gone into a full lockdown now, and it's nothing to do with Omicron, by the way. They're in a very different place with their vaccination rollout than we are in the UK. Second, we look at the guidelines and how are we going to apply those. And then thirdly, we look at reputational damage, because that, that for a, a particularly high-profile brand, that can be a bigger concern than the other two how they are externally perceived and how seriously they're taking the, 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 the threat of a you know, viral transmission. So we get all, all three of those factors are always considered. What was, when it became easier for me was when the government stopped legislating for how we delivered events. We've been able to assess, risk assess our events at every level for many, many years, very competently. We don't need people in government who don't understand event delivery telling us how to do it. So I saw that as a real positive when they, back in July, 19th of July, when they lifted all the restrictions. And as yet, we still don't have any. So it's driven by our own assessments based on now, reputational and guidelines so in some ways for me it's it is a little bit we're a little more flexible yeah and Anna when when you had to move these programs um have you was that on the supplier side relatively easy to do in terms of contracting had that all been baked into the contracting in terms of the flex and are you were you able obviously you're read now doing all this work are you able to charge for that additional work or are you still in a place where you're just having to move it as as part of your services mm, yeah it's a bit it's a bit of both really um so yeah for one of them the clients just paid for everything um didn't actually happen the event but we've been able to play, pay our supply chain because we've had payment from from our client and for another for the, for the sort of the filming side of things that's been a bit more tricky um but we have come to an agreement because we've might we've got sort of new dates booked in and there's been a bit of negotiation on client side and a bit of negotiation on on supplier side um i i won't lie that this whole year in terms of like resourcing jobs and the co constant moving parts has been an absolute nightmare um and 
which I, I still feel with quite a lot, a lot of apprehension going into next year. I'm, I'm trying to be as optimistic, optimistic as I can, but this just kind of ongoing uncertainty and keep moving and keep changing mood and opinion um, just does make it very difficult to kind of forward plan further than next week. Uh, yeah, isn't ideal. I know, we, I know we, um, we're bashing the media, weren't we, earlier on, Alan, saying that they're, you know, scaremongering and everything else. I mean, if you could, one of the positive things I think has come out the last 12 months is they've also been talking about not our event sector, but certainly the travel agency sector. And they were saying that the big problem with the, um, the travel agencies, they're rebooking people's personal holidays, but actually they're not making any extra money on it because it's the same commission they're getting. They're not charging a fee to move it over. And I think it's been a bit of an educational piece. So for us, I know when we've moved um, these recent events, we had another event move um, going to Japan from um, the end of March, potentially going to the end of September. So the client came to us and said, look, we understand this is the case of renegotiating everything and moving the whole event. So please charge us for this extra work that's involved, which I think, again, it's a reflection of where we are as, a, as an industry that not just us, but I think clients are more aware now of the impact that has happened and um, and the actual costs involved in, in this business, really. Lots of clients came to me and said, I, I can't believe your business has survived. Mm -hmm. so, they were, so I think they've got like a mutual interest and investment in. There's no point in... Um, screwing the nail down on this business because actually we need them as much as they need us type of thing. So from our point of view, our clients have um, become more aware of the situation and actually been more forthcoming with actually paying for that service and paying for the time from, from our point of view. I mean, it must be just so heartbreaking from, especially on the supplier side with the hoteliers, the DM DMCs, they, they the DMCs possibly are in a similar position in that they're having to rebook and could charge, but the hoteliers are kind of, if that, if that, hold for those key dates have been in place since way back and they're they're moving that that those dates are just available now and and there is no revenue coming in but i, I guess that is just where we are um sorry i don't have a question at the end of that just some sympathy. well just, just to back it up you know what i was saying before chet is the fact that um it, it totally you know we had an event in the savoy this week 120 people and they said yeah move it no problem and the same thing we discussed it with the actual with the Savoyan, with the client, and said, look, is any, how do you want to do this? Because obviously we know it's a huge loss of revenue. They can't be filled within, you know, 48 hours. And it was incredible, really. And I think I think everybody, all the different supply chain have learned by what's happened. I mean, from a revenue point of view, that's a different situation. But from a flexibility point of view, it's not as if when it first, you know, 12, 18 months ago, we said, look, this has happened and no one actually knew what the rules were and what we could do and what you couldn't do and everything else. Whereas now, both from a supplier point of view, but also from the our internal team, whereas now it's quite, um, it's not chaos. It's not like headless chickens. It's just, okay, this has happened. This is what we're going to do. The contract says one thing, but actually we know we can come to some mutual arrangement between our contract, our contract with the client, but also our supplier contract as well. So between all parties, it's quite open and quite an honest conversation, really. So, I think that's a huge change in our industry. Yeah, we were saying, weren't we, that actually we feel quite in quite a strong position to go into whatever happens, you know, however positive or negative, because of what we've been through, um, the teams and the the kind of attitude of the industry overall. We we just sort of feel we know what we're doing now. We know we know how to deal with this. We know we can we can still deliver events kind of under whatever circumstances in different shapes and forms, and it is does feel a different place to, to how it was back when it all started. 
All right, let me, let me just take a pause there. I'm just going to ask, request two things from anyone listening in. One, if you've got general questions, please post them on the chat on the right-hand side. And two, from the supplier community, um, you know, just the discussion we've just had, If is there anything you want to raise or ask that can help um, with the agencies listening in on this call or corporates that does help them when, when you're kind of dealing with all of the stuff you're dealing with, hoteliers, uh, DMC groups, rep companies, what are you finding that is helping you with all of this trouble? Because we all need to support each other for this sector to survive and for everyone to keep, you know, the very valuable businesses that they have and, and support this uh, whole industry. So please do post in there or, you know, raise a hand and I'll bring you in. Um, so, yeah, post in the chat any questions. Let's just move on to people, actually. Um, the impact of this on people internally. So how are they, how... Are, Yes, businesses, we've, as Anna, you've just said, we've really learned how to do this in flex and, and this is the second or third wave of us doing this as agencies or businesses. But the people must be getting really fed up, um, fed up of not delivering or constantly postponing, constantly looking. So, A, what's the impact on them and how, how is that being managed? And two, I know that agencies are recruiting left, right and centre. Everybody's recruiting like mad. Does this pause things a little bit or do we see this as a, just another media storm? Hopefully it all works out. What, what, what do we think on the people front, um, Richard? Um, so the, one of the lessons we learned from uh, lockdown was a you know, mental health impact on it. And so we did, we got uh, a mental health um, training came in and we introduced mental health officers within um, the business. We also introduced a uh, um, like an insurance scheme that basically get people um, a third party uh, mentor and that type of thing to help with the mental health side of it. So that has definitely come into play um, straight away, being aware of the signs within your colleagues and everything else. So um, that has a huge impact on what we're doing. And but you are, you're totally right. I, I spoke to a colleague yesterday and they had a bit of a meltdown on the phone. Um, you know, not just, it wasn't work. It was more, you know, single parent mum, you know, I can't do this again type of thing. End up going for a walk around the park together, you know, just trying to, you know, put things in perspective. So that has that has an impact on it. But I think again, businesses have learned because of that, really. So it's about learning from what we've what we've had in the past. Now we can implement it going forward, really. Yeah, Anna. Um. Yeah, it's it's it is hard. Um. I think I think I've said it before, but everyone in the team is so different, and everyone has had a different experience from COVID. And some people have. Have lost people that they love um, and some people haven't really been affected very much at all it, it's it's everyone's got their own story and so it's really difficult to kind of have a, a blanket approach as a as a business owner to, to how you want to do this and how you want to deal with things this is it's a small problem really but we've got our christmas party booked on the 13th of december in central london which ev everyone initially was so excited about I'm just starting to kind of get, you know, the rumblings of, you know, not everyone is so excited now. And it's it's trying to choose what the right thing to do is, you know, thinking about the industry that I represent, but also about what the individuals that that work for me, how how they want to do things. I don't I don't know that that I've got an answer other than like Richard said, you're sort of listening to the individual, trying to treat them as individuals and and trying to be as kind of responsive and sensitive uh, to, to their needs. We can't take away the uncertainty. We can't take away the fact that things are still as they are. But I think we can make a lot of time for them and, and listen. And I think in terms of kind of what you said about recruitment, um, I, 
personally, I think we're, we're going to carry on recruiting. We're going to carry on building the team. If, if things stay as they are, we've still got, there's lots of virtual going on and that's building and growing. It, we need more people um, regardless of kind of what happens with, with this variant, et cetera. So, so you're out, that's quite interesting. So your outlook is still very positive for kind of the, 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 the new arrow of hybrid and virtual that's come, you know, to event agencies. Are you seeing still, you know, so apart from the cancellation postponements of things happening quite in the very near future, are you still seeing, what about programs that are in much later in the year, Q2, Q3, Q4 next year? Is that nothing, nothing's been mentioned with any of those? Any examples of any impact of Omicron on those? I can, yeah, so we, as you know, we work, we do quite a lot in the, um, you know, incentive side of it. Check, you know, we've got, you know, uh, four or five events to Vegas, lots in Europe, um, uh, all the way through the summer, all the way up to, you know, um, middle of next year and uh, 23 as well. So not one single client has been to approach about any of those situations going on. Um, but also on the, just to talk about a bit of positivity, you know, inquiries are still flying through the door, you know, um, you know, global events, UK roadshows, um, European conferences, European incentives, um, you know, huge global events. We're literally this week, they are still coming through. So um, I, before they had this call, I spoke to the marketing team to see if there was a difference in um, inquiries, you know, from a lead gen point of view. We normally get, I don't know, 250 venue fines and different inquiries we get a month as an agency. Um, and nothing has changed on that over the past um, four or five days. There's still a number of inquiries are coming in, client, still a huge appetite for that. Um, so from our business point of view, I think it's still optimistic. I say the inquiries are still coming in, clients are still keen to contract things. Um, I don't know what that means, but the, um, the industry, the appetite is still there. And Anna, the same in terms of longer term programmes? Yeah, I think probably sector again, um, lots of the things we have in the pipeline or confirmed for next year are virtual or with a small element of hybrid. Um, we don't we don't have a huge amount of in-person events confirmed for next year or, or talking to clients about them particularly. Um, but as I said, on the kind of recruitment side, I, I sort of wouldn't hesitate to, to believe um, and have the confidence that the business will continue to grow the appetite um, for, for the work we do. The support we give clients is, is not diminishing. It's, it's growing and it's thriving. Um, and the, the events I've personally been to as well, I went to quite a few last week um, and just talking to people that are not in the industry um, that are back out in a room, you know, they're absolutely loving it. Um, and they've talked to, to me so much about what they get from it and what they've missed about it. So kind of from the, the, the public, the actual person in the seat, um, I, I know there's an appetite there for that as well. So, yeah, I just I do feel really positive about next year. It is quite interesting, Chair. So, um, Pamela, you put a question on there about would you change your strategy when you're proposing destinations and do um, destinations not on the red list? So it's quite. So we actually did do that immediately when the red list came up for Switzerland. We obviously came up with three or four alternatives within Europe, but also within the UK. So, yeah, I think um, um, yes. In answer to your question, Pamela, from our agency point of view, we would be putting. You know, everybody puts in a wild card, don't they? Well, in a way, you wouldn't. You'd flip on its head and not do a wild card, but do you know the boring safety card type of thing and put that one in there as you know this will fit brief. This should be a home banker type of thing, which which ticks that box really. Yeah, I mean, I saw a post with um, Ian Cummings from CWT who was meant to be out in, I think, IBTM and didn't go. And, and it was kind of like, 
the uncertainty. But I said, well, you know, we're going to Belfast next week and you just land and there is no differences to what we're doing here. So Belfast is the way forward. <laughs> well, Belfast's got the highest rate of infections in the UK, hasn't it? Well, that is also true, yes. <laughs> but also, I think you should put your money where your mouth is. You know, we talked about it, Anna, didn't we, about your Christmas party. Well, you know, how can you say to your clients, well, everything's great, you know, go ahead, it's okay. You know what I mean? You should definitely go ahead with the event. Then mm -hmm. what you're doing on it, well, actually, we're going to cancel ours because we're worried about, you know, you can't do it. We've got ours on Friday next week. There's, you know, 50, 60 of us going to Manchester, you know, bit of business in the morning, team building in the afternoon, you know, restaurants overnight all that type of thing. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're certainly going to go ahead with it because I think it, what does that say to the industry? What does it say to our clients? You know, if we don't actually believe in what we're um, producing for our clients and, you know, where does it leave you? I think, okay, I think I gonna... the experience I'd had with one agency I worked with, um, they were a live event agency and they, they flip-flopped across to being a virtual agency. And many of their clients had never had an apples for apples com um, comparison between a virtual and a live. They suddenly realized that they, their client base, they could reach significantly more people internationally for a shorter period of time for significantly less money. So they have stuck with the virtual because it suited them. And it didn't have anything to do with uh, pandemics. It had to do about comms to a, a large company. And this was um, a large company in the financial sector, another one in the pharma sector. sector. And they said to me that they, as an agency, they would not have survived had they not made this flip-flop. And they have no intention of going back to live events purely for commercial reasons and it was led by their client base so I, I think we need to be mindful of that when looking at the the future of virtual events they work with some clients they don't work with others CT I'm sure you're all aware of creative technology did some research internationally about virtual events and they worked out that the attention span on a virtual event is between 7 and 14 minutes so depends on what your message is whether it's going to work for you or not mm. Yeah, and it's, it's definitely something that um, we're mindful of in terms of we've got our expo in January and we did consider making it hybrid so that we're streaming all the content. But we've, and as, as another show recently said, is that what happens is that if for any reason people fall out and they can just go, well, actually, I can just, zoom, you know, go online and, and watch the content. Um, so we're actually not going to stream the content live. We are going to record it and post it post. But you know, you, you can cannibalize your own live audience if you want to get numbers through the door. Um, well, that's what I think. Would you agree, uh, Anna? Would you say, given you've done a lot of virtual? Yeah, I, I do. I really agree with, with what Alan said there, I think. And there's a question in the chat, and I think it, it it's, yeah, our, our clients, our sector that we specialize in just, they, they really like virtual. I, I think it is a commercial point as well, and sustainability. Um, it's, it's really ticking that box. Um, I think there are some parts, some parts of the organisations we work with where they would like to go back to in person. Um, so that that is being influenced by the pandemic. Um, but I think there is there's been like a big shift and I can't really see it going back for for a lot of our our client base. Um, and it is really it is, it is really challenging to kind of the, the hybrid model to, to get the right number of people through the door. Um, we we did an event two weeks ago um, in London and the, the audience were enticed greatly by a, an amazing lineup of speakers to actually be there and they did have an online audience as well and um, but I could really see the push 
um, to get people through the door and what they needed to do to encourage that. Um, so I do think sometimes when you have the option, yeah, that, that can be difficult. Okay, um, yeah, please keep posting questions on the right. Um, that would be very helpful. Um, I'm gonna go to Richard, Richard Holt. Um, could you come off mute please? And uh, give us a little perspective a, when this all broke, being in South Africa, well, introduce yourself and tell us tell us about when all of this news broke and what that impact was. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, Richard Holt. I, I am English, um, living in South Africa. Um, I run a company called The Concepts Collection. We are 95% inbound um, group events coming into Africa. We have a private division that does a lot of destination weddings and private events and a corporate division that does obviously the um, incentives and, and the like, and a private group leisure division. Um, I think I'm happy to answer any questions that people have specifically on what's going on here, but I think it's really important for me to give a, a sense of balance. And I'll try not to be emotive in doing that because it is quite an emotional time for us here. <clears throat> Just look at our daily cases today to start that. 2,733 cases today, 21 deaths. Interesting when you compare that to what's going on in Europe at the moment. Um, interesting to hear Chet start off with the um, news story from Johannesburg. I'm sat here watching Sky News and all the global news channels and sat here shaking my head at some of the absolute nonsense that's coming out, quite frankly, and the, the hype. And, it, you know, I think it's really interesting to see the attitude of our government here. Since this broke last Thursday, there's been no change or any uh, new lockdown at all. We're relatively free, free to live here. Um, the only thing we have to do is wear masks in public. Apart from that, we can mix in large events of up to 250 people indoors, 500 people outdoors. We had two big destinations, last uh, weddings last week to that number, um, people coming from all over the world. So it's an interesting you know, balance really. I hear what's going on, and I obviously understand that you know it's serious. But South Africa, and there's a view here at government level, and our in our industry, that, that we've been thrown under the bus big time, actually. Um, and it's you know, we if you look back to pre last Thursday, like everybody else, we've spent 18 months having a real real issue in the industry. But as our season was approaching and things freed up, hotels across Cape Town and beyond were about 90% occupancy. You couldn't get a safari lodge booking to save your life because they're all full with international travelers. Um, and that's just gone, just flatlined overnight at a time when for our industry we're thinking we save, this season is going to save most of the hospitality industry because it's so uh, well booked up. People are flocking here from all over the world because South Africa's got something to offer and that's just gone like that overnight, stopped, due really to hysteria and media hype. And that, shameful in my view, but that's just me being emotional. However, like Richard said, inquiries pre-Thursday and still are coming in. Corporate, private, South Africa and Southern Africa is still a destination that many, many people want to come to. And even more so now because of the kind of outdoor opportunities here and the kind of the space. Um, but it's a tough time again, a tough time. I've been ringing around a lot of our hotel colleagues previous um, this event just to get a sense of, you know, and pe they're down to 
10, 15% occupancy from 90% in the space of three days. So that's where we are in reality, but it's false. There's a lot of false news. And I think people just buying into the rhetoric um, and it's a shame, but happy to answer any individual questions on that and what's, uh, what's going here, how it's affecting bookings. Thank you, Richard. Um, yeah, if anyone's got any specific questions, please post in the chat. Thanks for the update, Richard, and wishing you and the nation well. Um, yeah, we, we all as a sector sympathise. And uh, Alan, what's your prediction? Because obviously, one or two weeks from now, we're going to know a lot more. Um, what, what, what do you think is going to happen? And, and do you think it's a very short term sort of snap, a snap kind of uh, halt on stuff, but actually we're going to start moving very quickly again once hopefully we realize actually this isn't a variant of mass concern it's you know what's your prediction going forward in the short term well i think the fundamental thing to remember when we went into this february last year we had no vaccination we were months away from a vaccination um very much scientists were caught well some scientists were caught asleep at the wheel that is not the situation now Valance said two days ago, maximum, however bad this variant is, 100 days and we'll have a vaccination, a credible vaccination. Interesting enough, Whitty at the weekend said he didn't, and he said this publicly, he did not think the public would support any more restrictions. They were COVID, he used the word COVID fatigued, which I'm sure we've all heard before. So I remain very optimistic about how this, even worst case scenario, this variant is worse, than its, um, its younger brother, we have now the science, to use that word, in place to deal with it very, very quickly. We're getting better at getting jabs in people's arms. Um, we're, we're looking at the infrastructure, the ability to do that. We're now not relying so heavily on the NHS. We're looking at pharmacies. So I, I had my booster jab this morning and it was in a pharmacy in the middle of nowhere, but it, it was all very easy and it was a cure people, fish bosh straight through, in and out in the 15 minutes. So I think I remain very optimistic about whatever the impact on UK events. Obviously, it's very difficult to speculate about events abroad because every, everybody's situation is different. And I thought it was very telling what Richard said about uh, Richard Holt, that is, in, in South Africa, that this has been, the whole situation has been blown out of all proportion. I, I always use the, the stats and I use the National Office of Statistics for my stats um, because it's, there's no political bias. Back in the winter of 2013, 2014, in the UK, 860 people every day were dying of influenza. It never even made the news. So I think we have to be um, proportionate and balanced about how we proceed and not, as we've seen the government knee jerking around. A brief example with how some of the restrictions were but so ridiculous. I worked in the wedding sector. Well, I've been working in the wedding sector for the last two years. At one point last summer, in England, 30 people could get married. In Scotland, six people. In Northern Ireland, as many as you'd like, as long as you didn't have a chocolate fountain. <laughs> I kid you not, that's what the restriction said. So it's nonsense on stilts. It's absolute nonsense. So I think hopefully we start to become a little bit more pragmatic and a little bit more um, circumspect when reading media stories. So uh, same question to Anna and Richard. Anna, what, what, how do you think the next few weeks would go? Um, what's, your, what's your kind of prediction if you were to make one? Oh, I wish I had a crystal ball. I've wished that all the way through. Um, what's my prediction? 
Well, I hope, I, optimistically, I, I think it won't be a, a hugely dangerous variant. I'm, I'm kind of looking at what viruses tend to do, that it would suggest it would follow that pattern. Um, and I hope that our government will kind of stand firm and continue to keep things open and not kind of feel the pressure of other countries internationally that might do, deal with it slightly differently. Um, and that we'll kind of be able to carry on, carry on as we, we have been over the last few months. Um, but I don't know. I, yeah, no, I, of course, of course, not, yeah, it's a difficult, you know, of course, I don't expect you to know in that sense, but just um, whether whether it's kind of short term, um, we need to see what happens. And because we have been on a fairly decent trajectory for the last, as you say, I mean, I haven't done one of these since the spring because we kind of were going back to live and that's what we were focusing on. I think everyone was and nobody had time to be on a Zoom call um, or didn't need to be, you know. Um, but do you think that Richard, what are you, what's your kind of. Um, I think obviously similar to Anna, I think what's going to happen is naturally there's going to be um, different cases coming out throughout Europe anyway, and then globally. And then there's a different um, question. Why would you actually have uh, restrictions to different countries if the new uh, variant is all over Europe anyway? Then why would you have a restriction in Switzerland, that type of thing? Um, so, I mean, I'm the same thing. I, I think our clients are keeping an eye on it for the next 10 days, which is what we're saying to everybody. And hopefully it, it turns out to be... Um, not as big a problem as, as a media reckon it out to be, but and the impact of that will be that it'll be a second surge of inquiries and, and business coming forward. And the downside is that for me about South Africa, I do feel for you, Richard, but it would also wouldn't put future countries off actually exposing new variants. That's my major concern. The impact it's had on you know um, South African tourism and that type of thing, and people going down there. You know, they've been, you know, I know they changed the name very early on, but coming to the South African variant early on didn't help that country at all, really. So, you know, they were brilliant by sharing information almost immediately when they found it. Um, but it's, like I say, it's, it's, uh, it's backfired for them as a, as a nation, really. And, you know, if, if the vaccine rollout, the boosters, if that is really kind of how we're getting out of this, what about your clients in terms of do, do they mandate, do you, do they mandate that they have to be double vaccinated, et cetera? Or is, is that depending on different clients that they, because obviously they may not be allowed. What, what's, what's the stance with clients and how they're doing that and testing? Yes, well, certainly for our, from our clients. Yeah, so um, all the events we've got going next year, all every every client we've had has actually said part of the registration, have you been um, have you been double vaccinated? And that's a, that's a criteria to go on these events. Um, and then actually, as you know, on the events we've been doing, all the live events we did last year, um, they made it so that obviously similar to your events, check lateral flow tests before, and then each day when they're actually on on the on the event themselves, the all the delegates actually did a lateral flow test every morning before they came down as well. So just for respect for the rest of the um, event. So so from our point of view, um, all the events of the criteria to go overseas on on them, the clients actually ask for all their delegates and internal staff to have um, you know a COVID. Um, travel pass basically and then on the events themselves they do daily testing so it, it, it is part of the DNA of it but that's our, that's our particular client so these clients I'm talking about are people that so these are incentive trips where it's a manufacturer who's taking away their top customers so it's still um, and some of the clients have said well we don't we don't want to have a double vaccination what's the alternative and it's you're not coming on the trip type of thing so they've been quite tough with it really and, and in terms of that additional cost of the PCR now etc clients just just bearing that cost 
Um, yeah, two versions of it. So we've got one which is an internal um, staff event going to it's going to Lisbon, and the actual client themselves is doing all the PCR tests for all the staff under native and going away. So he's paying for that as part of the just goes in the budget. Um, but for the um, end customers going where they're taking their customers' customer, that they're funding that themselves. Okay, the, the actual delegate is. Mm, yeah. Is it similar for the live events you've been doing? What what have you been implementing for mitigation of safety? Um, no, it hasn't been the same as Richard. Um, so our, we ha we haven't done many, but our clients haven't wanted to ask for proof of vaccination. Um, I haven't wanted to do anything, so it's just been kind of back to the old days. I know that's really probably very surprising to hear for some people, but. Um, there's one event we're running uh, this weekend that that is actually proof of double vaccination, but that's the first one that, that we've encountered. Um, I, I did read a really interesting article this morning um, about the, the, the COVID pill. Um, and I'm really personally, I'm really hoping that we can sort of move on from vaccination um, and that it, you know, a kind of a medication can replace it. Because I just I just worry that relying on that kind of for the foreseeable future and the if we do need to kind of tweak it and then do it all over again and then do a booster and a booster it's just it's it's quite wearing isn't it um people get getting fed up with it um especially kind of having to prove it so personally i'm just really hoping there'll be a different tactic from science coming i think it is coming you know, I think it'll become a way of life. You know, like you say, you know, if I go to any social gatherings, you know, um, but just personally, without being asked, I, I, I do a lateral flow, get my kids to do the same thing, you know. So I think it just becomes a just part of your lifestyle, I think, to actually make sure that you're okay before you go to them. Well, Person. one thing, I, just a word of caution. I've had a lot of clients come up with the idea, yes, we're going to have checked that everybody's fully vaccinated. We use the word fully vaccinated, by the way, guys, because the JJ only requires a single shot. Um, without thinking about how you're actually physically going to do this. Um, bear in mind, coming off COP, where it was a legal requirement, thanks to Princess Nicola, that any event over 500, you had to have be fully vaccinated. But the guidance then went on, the Scottish guidance went, then went on to say one has to be cognizant of the Equalities Act 2010, which doesn't allow you to challenge an exemption. So somebody showed up at the uh, COP26, said, I've got an exemption, in you go. Nothing you can do about that. So that's one thing to consider. The other thing to consider, lateral flow tests, the way of recording them if you use the NHS app, uh, which you can't use in Scotland, funnily enough, because they've got their own. Uh, and you can't use that unless you register with a Scottish doctor. It's so well thought out. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, um, you, don't, you only need the cassette. You don't actually need to do a test. So going back to Richard's comment, you're, you're relying on people trusting people. So if you go back to the trust element, how far do you want to go with your physical controls? So I did an event um, uh, for Google at BBC TV Centre in, in the autumn, and they were insisting that everybody arriving did a lateral flow test, sat out in a waiting room for 15 minutes by the results, showed the cassette, got the control line, obviously you were in. It took three hours to get 50 people into the studios. So think this through before you start putting, throwing, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. The logistics of it can be really difficult. An event yesterday, very high profile event in central London, they wanted to, um, they wanted on-site testing, but they didn't consider you need a room, you need several people, you need a lot of time, you need a staggered arrival. And it, 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 it was very clunky. It didn't work at all well. So my advice to any agency or any client suggesting this, 
think through the logistics before you make any wild um, promises. When you say cassette, sorry, what do you mean? You mean the... It's, well, if you do a lateral flow test, have you not... Uh, the, little, the, the, the pregnancy test oh, that's a cassette. That's what you're control lines. Yep, okay. the red one, yep, you got it. Got it. All right, we've got 10 minutes left. Um, love to hear some more questions for uh, anyone actually within this group. We're here to support each other, see what we can do to help this industry in the short term of this variant recover. Um, Okay, I'm going to go to, uh, in terms of kind of lockdowns, and I mean, basically, are you all thinking that there, there is no lockdown coming? The government is firmly on having Christmas running, um, the, and or are we still going to be in a wait and see, of course, depending on this variant? But do, do you see any of that happening regional, regional at all? Richard? I, was, I, I, I didn't actually hear your question. I was reading what Rick put on the actual question and on the chat box to be honest with your chat. Sorry about that. <laughs> you, you look at that question and I'll come back to you, Anna. What do you okay. think? Sorry, I was reading that as well. <laughs> <laughs> what was the question, Chet? Sorry. Just in terms of any regional kind of lockdowns, do you think what, what other measures do you think could be in place or that that the government are going to, you know, to the, uh, we keep things as they as we are. We've in introduced masks in retail, um, not for events. Is, is is that right, Alan? We do, we don't yeah. have any mandate for masks for events. So it's no. only retail. No um, change in the controls to events as of yesterday. Yes. None whatsoever. So do you think there's anything that's coming on the, over the horizon at all in the next few months with 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 winter? I I think the unsuccessful um, Scottish um, model. Because um, it was unsuccessful, having worked at COP, I think this government will have seen that trying to put, um, you know, gatherings over 500 people, making vaccination, fully vaccination requirements, putting them in place are not just don't work because uh, they're so easily gotten around. Um, I can't see anything significant impacting on the industry, but I worry about Richard Holt's account that because of media frenzy, um, to use his expression, the events industry can get thrown under the bus over something that's totally blown out of all proportion by the media. And that for me is the, a much bigger concern than what the government might do. Yeah, so regardless of data, stats, vaccinations, um, safety protocols, it's really about perception, uh, confidence, delegate delegate confidence of attending. I mean, that's, that's the thing that's affecting our industry more than anything else at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I think the next 10 days is going to say everything, isn't it? I know Rick was asking the question on there, but I think I think the next 10 days are going to be huge. And I think on the flip side of it, I think the public will, like you say, will be fatigued about the whole media frenzy. Um, you know, the fact that in 10, in 10 days' time, if the actual results come out, that, yeah, it is more, um, it's quite more transmittent, the actual variant is, but it does have as big an impact. If it's another Delta scenario, then I think the, I think the public will just be... Um, you know, it's like the boy that cried wolf type of scenario. So I think going forward, that will have an impact also about new variants coming in after this one as well. That well, we've been here before. You know, actually, what does it? What does this mean to us? Well, nothing. Well, let's carry on as we are type of thing. I think it's even that that's already in place now. To be honest with you, actually, something Alan you said earlier, which I just kind of want to ask you again to clarify. You said if this becomes the dominant variant, but it's less uh, dangerous. Um, then it could be a good thing. Is that? Is yeah, that... that's the way viruses work. That's the way viruses work. You know, some that, that I say the the um, let's call it the omgom is one of possibly fifty variants of the delta, 
this is the one that picked up on it is far more or appears to be far more infectious when you look at the um the, the science behind it, it's a very much more complicated virus the delta but it doesn't necessarily follow that it's um more unpleasant to catch and as you know richard's comment about the amount of people that are hospitalized you know, it, it's it's not, it, I'd say it's nothing, it's not nothing if you're one of those 21, but it is a very, very, very low number of people. Um, so I think it's it, it it's not necessarily bad news. If the dominant, if the dominant virus is Omnicom and it has a lower impact on public health, that's actually a good thing. But nobody wants to talk about that because it doesn't sell newspapers. Thank you, Alan. Um, okay, for the last few minutes, um... Richard's got a question about perception of South Africa promote. So I guess with you, you've still got briefs coming in, um, Alan and Richard, and if if South Africa or any other international destination, is there any hesitancy at the moment of putting them forward? Would you would you stay away? Uh, as an agency, yeah, we wouldn't at the minute. Richard won't like this answer, but yeah, you wouldn't put just because of. Um, Reputationally, at the minute, you just wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd be laughed out the the pitch, wouldn't you? If you said, you know, we've got a great idea for you, let's go to do a safari around South Africa. I know it's not what Richard wants to hear, but we wouldn't. That's just not something we'd put forward um, as a destination at the moment. But that's not to say, um, you know, ten days time, how it actually looks going forward. Everybody knows South Africa is, you know, unbelievable as a destination for all the reasons of certainly from a UK market. You know, time difference you know, the different options, all that type of stuff. We can go on forever, can't we? It's a beautiful place. Um, so it will definitely bounce back. It's such a strong destination to go to that, um, and it's easy for us to say, Richard, but um, it, 100% the destination, you know, it's one of the number one destinations in the world, from I think, from a UK market. So I do see it as a short blip, and coming forward in 10 days' time, I, it will bounce back 100%. Well, what about... What about um, the huge uh, focus on UK market to deliver programs, incentives, conferences. Uh, has, is there gonna be a refocus back on the UK just to get the so clients are gonna be more comfortable, more confident, both with testing borders, all that sort of stuff. So UK market's gonna come be more in focus now than, than it because of this, this variant or, or not really? Um, uh, I, 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 I just think we're gonna know that in in a little while, but I don't think we know it just yet. Um, we were definitely starting to see the kind of the, the international side come back slowly, but we were. Um, so I think there is a, a will um, for, for that to happen, but um, I think we're just going to have to wait and see. It's, we're not going to know until we know the, the shape of this new variant. Um, we're we're going to have a pause, aren't we? I think. With the, yeah, I well, for the answer to your question, Chet, the three pictures that we put out this week had they were all a European, um, the briefest for European destinations, and each one of them we put a UK alternative in there for each one. Answer your question. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. We've got to just basically going to wrap up now. I really want to thank um, Alan, Anna, and Richard um, for taking time out to share their experiences. Of course, none of us know. We never pretended that we're going to have. Full answers, but at least you get a snapshot, hopefully, of what some people in the industry are facing. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, just a reminder, we have Expo 
in January, 12th and 13th of January at Mondru and Shoreditch. Got a huge amount of content from Metaverse, sustainability, recruitment, uh, destination inspiration. So two days of content, uh, lots of great suppliers, but you can dip in and out for an afternoon, for a morning, uh, just to see some great suppliers, some great content. So mycebookexpo.com, do check it out. We hopefully will see you then. We also actually, just um, if there's any buyers here, we've got an event on the 15th of December in with Visit Monaco, a very cool space on the 15th of December. So drop me a note uh, if you're around and interested, let me know. Um, it'd be great to see you face to face. We are definitely still looking to go ahead and I really hope you have a great Christmas, whatever you're looking to do. Same with you, Richard and Alan. Um, if we don't see you, have a great week. Thanks everyone for listening in. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you.